Welcome back to Everyday Danny. It's great to be here. My name is Ben. I'm one of the hosts of this podcast and I'm joined as ever by Robin. It's uh, nice to be back with you and uh, thanks for listening. Uh, let's kick off with uh, a dad joke. Have you got a dad joke for us, Ben? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got one. I've dug one out. Um, uh, I was walking past the YMCA yesterday. Uh, there was a teenage boy outside just stroking some feathers. I said, young man, there's no need to feel down. Hey, that's, uh, that is truly awful. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's is pretty awful. Perhaps you might want to let us know on a scale of one to ten just how truly terrible Ben's joke is um, to, to get in touch. Um, we are carrying on our series of podcasts uh, where there's less Ben and Robin, which is not a bad thing. Um, and we're interviewing different dads from diff- with different experiences of life and dadding. Um, and it's our great pleasure um, to welcome to this episode, Tim. So welcome, Tim. Good evening. Nice to have you with us. T- tell us a little bit about yourself, Tim. Yeah, so my name is Tim. I live in North Birmingham and I work with young people in trouble with the police for a living. Wow. That's, a, that's quite a job, but the sounds of things. Tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, so I've now been married all oh, 20 years this year um, and um, I have two daughters. So um, I think where we're going to with all of this, uh, say I'm a white man as white English well I, I see myself as more Welsh uh, and I'm married to my wife is black and her family came from the Caribbean in the 60s and she was born here great and um, and that uh, brings us on nicely to what we want to chat to you about so there's been a lot of talk in the media particularly um, you know about racism in our society so we've you know we've had the Black Lives Matters protests um, over the summer we've had um, the Meghan Markle um, kind of debate going on in the public eye about the royal family and just kind of tell us a little bit how do you help your children to to begin to to kind of think about um, issues of race and racism, uh, which they'll see on the news, which they'll see in society, which might be right up in their faces. How do you begin to chat to your to your kids about those kind of things? Yeah, I guess the, the first thing I'd say is that um, for my family, um, this wasn't something that began with the uh, killing of George Floyd last summer. Um, the way some people have spoken about this, you know, it's almost like a, a new thing. Um, you know, this this is something that my certainly my wife has, has, has been aware of since she was four years old um, and went to school and uh, the children in the playground racially abused her. Um, something that's affected her family, uh, family from the Caribbean, African-Caribbean people. Um, again, family um, obviously got to the Caribbean via slavery. We're then in a colonial um, government um, in in uh, the Caribbean, and then came here and experienced racism here. So this is this is a conversation. This is an issue that that has been a, a long term issue that has affected affected people of African heritage. Um, so again, this this is not new to us. So this is something that we've obviously been discussing for some years. Something that obviously in my wife's experiences, and certainly you know I would say certainly my eldest daughter and my youngest daughter is, is, is perhaps begin, just begin to think about it. So again not new at all um so i guess i'm a christian um and i guess my starting point 
for thinking about this is from the scriptures um and you know i guess i guess my, my first port of call will be right in the first chapter of genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 27 thinking about the image of god how all people are made in the image of god uh, whether you're a christian or whether you're not a christian whoever you may be you're made in the image of god uh, we are all uh, joint rulers of the earth we all have an inherent dignity and uh, again we, we we see that outlined in the scriptures with the with the commands both in the old and the new testament to love our neighbor which christ you know which is amplified in the teaching of jesus even to to love our enemies and those that we might not naturally get on with in terms of the good samaritan so anchoring it there I'll, i guess i will begin with the with, with, with that moving then kind of onto how we get to something called racism uh, which then takes us into Genesis chapter three and the fall. Um, again, um, I'm reformed in my uh, in my theology, not not completely, as I say, in terms of covenant theology and that. But I have a high view of sin, which I think is a great advantage in this situation. Sin does not just affect my behaviour; I believe it affects all of creation, and that's why one day Christ will redeem all of creation when we have the new heavens and a new earth. So again, you know, the, the ideas. Um, around kind of race and uh, uh, actually fit well into that you know I'll go in in a second to talk about what I mean by race and racism so I guess beginning in that in the foundations Genesis 1 to 3 um, and then we start to see how God is going to work these things out and of course we we then see before that Genesis 11 the Tower of Babel but immediately after that, after people have been scattered, we see God's promise through Abraham's descendants to bless the nations. So right from the beginning of scriptures, we, we see actually there, there is a splitting up of people, but we see God's heart to bring a people to himself. And then we see this throughout the Old Testament, for example, in Deuteronomy. Uh, we see the concern for the alien. We see the concern for the widow and the orphan. We could then jump straight into Isaiah when we start seeing the nations coming to worship God. And we see, again, this, this promise to bless the nations. Um, uh, and, and, and again, for example, the passage just quoted in the New Testament about my house will be a house of prayer for all nations, right up into to Revelation. So God's heart is for all kinds of people being together in his people uh, but there's problems and again the bible is very clear about this we know this sin affects everything sin affects even the church look at a lot of the rows in in in, in the new testament churches look at how people responded in in, in jesus time to to, to to different people so we know there are problems which again we need holy spirit and god's help to help so again with that theological uh, bedrock that will be the beginning of my answer of my start to talk to my children. And so, thank you, Tim. And so, you would you you be pretty honest with your kids about um, the 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 problems of of sin and structural sin, both in the world and in the church as well. How would you how would you begin to kind of help them to process when perhaps? Um, they they experience racism in the playground and then perhaps when they experience racism in in the church as well so again i'll go back to the new testament letters clearly things are not perfect in the church god is um uh, again people are saved there is an ongoing work of sanctification of people being made right you know we we, we see the famous passage uh, the fruit of the spirit in galatians 5 well we look at the anti-fruit in the same things a lot of stuff about not being nice to people in all of that 
Um, so again, and again, you know, one of the things that I think I've had to take refuge in is actually when we look at Revelations 2, chapter 3, and we see the seven churches. Those churches are all at different levels. There, is, there are some, I believe, is Ephesus that is doing brilliant. There are others that are doing very poorly. So actually, when we walk into a church, um, in, you know, and again, history bears this out. Um, we're not going to see perfection and there are going to be struggles. I guess what I look for when I then go to a church is what is the attitude of that church and the leaders? Are they cognizant of these issues? Are they prepared to wrestle with these things theologically? Are they prepared to wrestle with these things practically? So again, I, I guess when, I, when I'm talking to my children about what they look for in church, I guess that will be. But again, we've had to do a lot of work in our family because of our experiences just about trying to to make sense of it theologically um because again it, it, it's it's tough and, and i would say perhaps the thing that surprised me most about being married is how people have then responded to my wife um and how behave people have behaved towards her so actually you know we, we we see that quite clearly in the scriptures it's tough it's very hard it's it is it, upsetting but i guess you know christ is bigger and uh, he will get us through and he will strengthen and help and enable us. And he's kept us through our, our experiences. Yeah, thank you. Would you, so do you, do you, are you preparing your kids for the times when inevitably and sadly, you know, they're going to have to face it? Or, or is it more responsive that when, when it happens, you, you sit down with them and talk it through? Or, or is it both? I think I think it's an age appropriate thing. So, again, you know, particularly my youngest there, you know, we, we wouldn't get deep into that. But particularly as my eldest has, has, has started to see things and understand things, um, you know, and, and start to ask, why do people behave like that? Um, you know, uh, so I guess with with that, we've we've had to again, we're, we're a family that are, are quite open about it. it shocks me. Actually, I don't know. If talking to fathers you know when I look back at what I would talk to my parents about what my kids are prepared to talk to me about now again you know I think there's some good things about but it can also be a scary thing with some of the stuff they come out with but we've always tried to be open about this stuff and I guess the other thing as well I guess there's always a there's a constant um conversation because obviously my daughter is is, is watching the news they're seeing all the stuff about George Floyd they're seeing the, the, the other things that go on I mean I mean again to be honest this is stuff she's been aware of for years about the disparities in terms of how black people are more likely to be harshly sentenced by the justice system, about the issues with housing, about the issues with health, about the issues with employment, about all these different spheres where people of her heritage, her ethnicity, do come at the bottom of British society. So I guess in those discussions, she's been aware of it. Um, and again, you know, has that understanding of what race is. Again, I think I think a lot of people struggle to understand it at a basic thing because so race basically is a means by which a hierarchy is put on humanity with whites at the top and blacks very much at the bottom. And this comes into play. There are elements of it earlier in history, but this comes into play around the sort of 15th, 16th century when people start trying to justify slavery um, and look at how you can justify people being treated so inhumanely so you know there's all the discussions in history about are they animals do they have souls and all these kind of things you know keeping them from the scriptures trying to stop them reading and all those kind of things and then all the kind of tropes that come in to to justify it so you know we need to keep black people in control so actually we we portray them as being lazy as being criminal as being angry as being hypersexualized so all those things are coming to play and those those tropes 
which were used back then are still in play now in the media, in the way people perceive people. And, and certainly, you know, um, you know, when, when, when my family look at how certain people respond to them, even in terms of fear on times in their faces, you know, they don't even know them. So, so that again, I guess we've tried to have that discussion between scripture, between history, between a kind of more academic understanding, but also we've, we've certainly in recent years, we've looked to more resources in from Christian theology. And again, we, we found a lot of encouragement from looking at churches that had to deal with racism at the sharp end. So particularly the African-American church where Bible believing Christians uh, have who have had similar high views of salvation, high views of Christ, high views of the Bible have had to deal with these things at the sharp end and how they've responded. So actually there are Christian traditions that have rich resources for addressing these things. So I guess we've sought to kind of encourage our children to sort of think more deeply about that and understand that as an apologetic about against how some other Christians may behave. So is that things like um, giving them African-American, you know, British, uh, African, British Caribbean heroes of the faith to, to kind of to look to? Or, or is it more looking to the traditions of of the black church to resource. Okay, so, so I would say that, that, that it's, it's looking at how people have stood for Christ in much of the materially harder circumstances, and it hasn't taken them away. They've put their faith in God through all of this. This has not led to them saying, how can there be a God? And how can, how can we be treated like that? This has led to a greater faith, a greater trust, a hymnody, uh, hermeneutics. Um, There's a fantastic book um, that I read last year, Lisa Bowen's African-American Interpretations of Paul. Excellent. Looking at how people have from the Advent in African-American church looked to challenge uh, racism. And again, you know, to me, that's where I go. If, if, I, if, I, want, if I want resources around that, you know, Esau Macaulay's just written an excellent book, Reading Wild Black, highly recommended. So you can see this is what black Christians have sought their solace, sought their strength from when they've been going through all these things. So in this time today, we don't have to go off and, and say God has left us. No, God hasn't left us. God is with us in the struggle. Um, and again, I guess the other thing that I've, that I've also sought to do is I've tried to show my children how I've stood up in church against these things. Um, and, you know, they, they've been they've clearly seen me when i've had the opportunity to teach on these things clearly in church they've seen me opportunity in meetings to stand up on these things so you know and even though to be honest that's led to a load of aggro and you know it's not been popular you know actually i guess the thing that i've had to learn is i answer to god as long as i am doing it within uh, christian standards of behavior i should stand up you know there is a role for christians to stand up about these things particularly with christians so again i've also sought to do that so is that, is that something that you've, you've encouraged them to do or, or is that something you've done by setting an example for them? Also encourage them, you know, again, you know, we we live in a city where we know that people of their ethnicity come at the bottom of many of the league tables and things. So boys being chucked out of school, um, uh, arrest rates, uh, imprisonment rates, uh, poor, poor job um uh experiences you know in the past there's been segregated housing where i live so my children are, are aware of that and the need to stand up as they stand for christ we stand on these things also and actually faith in christ is not is not um 
doesn't contradict standing up on those things. We believe we have a God who stands, again, if we believe the Imago Day and we believe it's in all people, we have a duty to stand for, for all people where there is injustice, where there is, 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 is wrong. That's really helpful. And when you've, when, how have you helped them emotionally? So, I mean, when they faced issues, perhaps at school, in the playground, or, or you know, even in the church, have, have you lamented with them? Have you, have you kind of wept with them? Have you, you know, how have you helped with them to emotionally think through some of these issues? I guess, particularly my eldest daughter, I guess we've sought to affirm what she's experienced whilst we have sought to impress upon her the need for love for neighbour, the need for understanding. Again, we've had numerous discussions over the year, seeking to, uh, again, which is always a balance, seeking to understand why people behave. And again, particularly when you move into the church setting, one of the things you have to remember, very few, I'll, I'll be blunt and say it, conservative evangelicals, Christians and their leaders have had much experience of black people, have had much experience of Pakistani people, etc. You know, often they come from white settings and then come into these. So actually, people are dealing with what they know nothing about. And I guess when you've kind of been in the, in, in the atmosphere of, of, of imbibing negative messages about them, you know, there's going to be those responses. So we've always sought to encourage, again, we've been a family, always, uh, you know, until fairly recently, sort to have people round, different people round. Our house is always, you know, again, that I deliberately bring them up that, that, you know, that they can walk into whatever, um, you know, and actually this is theirs and that perhaps they need to be ready in certain circumstances. I mean, I'll, I'll flip the other side. It has scarred um, my eldest, I think, some of her experiences with regard to where she would want to go to college and what places she would want to put her in. So, yeah, scars are there undoubtedly. But again, you know, in Christ, um, you know, we are we are we're all in, in him. Uh, we are brothers and sisters. And actually, we need to seek to work through those things and seek to, you know, there is healing and we need to forgive. And God is working on us through these things. But again, that doesn't negate the need to stand up. So help us out here, because, you know, we're, we're talking to primarily evangelical dads. Um, uh, such as Ben and myself, who are in predominantly white churches. Um, almost exclusively wine churches how how do we help our kids when perhaps there aren't many either kind of you know children who aren't white even in their classes how do we help them to appreciate to understand um and to enjoy the multi-cultured multi-colored na nature of god's kingdom okay i, th I think Again, and I appreciate in some ways it is easier for me because it's in my face every day where we live. You know what I mean? I, 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 I am often the minority. So, you know, in, in my work setting, certainly when I go to church, uh, lots of other settings, my children are used to go to just being with different kinds of people. In fact, we laugh sometimes because we go from one of all kinds of people into one of all the next kind of people. So that's our experience. So I guess what I would be thinking about as parents um, you know, to begin to try and understand the experiences of, you know, let's use the example, black people in this country. Um, again, I think within the church, we do get a lot of unhelpful messages um, that I think, I think, again, I, I know, I know many of these uh, uh, authors are popular. Um, and even, you know, many of our, our, our American friends and brothers and sisters, you know, there's a whole big 
load of stuff going on at the moment. Um, and I would encourage Christians to look beyond some of the stuff that that is put their way to look for Bible believing Christians of high view of scripture who actually have experienced these things and look to learn from them and actually try and get some understanding of of people's lived experiences and, and again you know I know certain authors are very popular try and read some stuff from the other side there is lots of stuff out there we are now blessed that that we have a a, a whole lot of um understanding uh, a lot of christians again the the, the irony with, with racism is that actually we have untold resources in the church for dealing with this there are christians who have, have been subject to this for uh, you know uh, since its inception and we have those resources begin to read a bit more widely um uh, of Christians, some of the books books that I've mentioned. I know Ben last time showed me that he'd been reading Ben Lindsay's book. I like Ben Lindsay's book. I think to me the most helpful bit of the book is his chapter on Black women and their experiences within the church. There are there are some other bits and pieces starting to come through, getting an understanding, starting to question some of the dominant messages that come through. Just to clarify that, so that's Ben Lindsay's. What, what's the book called? Is it let's talk about race or something like yeah. that? Yeah, we need we need to talk about race. Ben Lindsay. Talk about race. That's it. Yeah, I thought that's, I a, great, most... that's a great entry level book, isn't it? For, yeah, for even people. even to get again, people may not follow everything that he says, but particularly starting to understand the experiences and understand as well. You know, there is a there is a lot of people out there that have a different life experience and a different perception of things. So you may not even agree with that perception, but actually that's what they think. So that needs to be your starting point, not to kind of row them, not to kind of prove that they're woke or cultural Marxist or whatever, which which some of this comes through. There's a perception that a lot of this discussion, you know, begun with, uh, you know, people in the 60s, critical theorists in the 60s. My contention is this this discussion begins in the middle of the 19th century, you know, with the likes of David Walker, with the likes of, and beginning of the 18th century with Oladani Aquiano and those critiques. We can trace Christian, distinctly Christian critiques of this stuff way before Marx hits the scene. So I know there's, there's a big temptation at the moment. A lot of people are, are kind of critiquing those things in that way. Mm, Tim, thank you. That's that's really helpful. So I guess kind of listen, start listening, listening to the voices that um, perhaps we don't always listen to in our in our circles or, or in our churches that, that, are, that are black and Christian. Uh, thank you. That's really helpful. So yeah, brilliant. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. That's pretty, that's pretty much all we've got time for. Um, I feel like we could we could go on for uh, many, many hours, but um, uh, it's been super helpful. Thank you so much, particularly bringing us back to, to Genesis um, and, and the shared dignity and identity that all of humanity has. Um, and, and that's what Christ is going to redeem us to, isn't it? That, you know, we see in Revelation people from every nation, all tribes, peoples, languages standing before the throne. That, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it, that we can look, we can all look forward to. Um, but Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, do stay in touch with us at Everyday Dadding. You can get in touch on the email everydaydadding at gmail.com uh, or check out the website everydaydadding.com uh, for more bits and pieces. But until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>